0: In 1965, before arriving into the San Francisco scene, Bobby Beausoleil was already making a name for himself on the Sunset Strip of Hollywood. Born in Santa Barbara in 1947, he had a fairly typical Californian upbringing for the time. As a teen, Bobby started getting into trouble. And after a spell at the Los Pretos boys camp, Bobby starts to drift into the growing counterculture. Bobby had seen the Grassroots perform a few times at Ciro's and really liked their sound and energy. A fully racially integrated band that was pretty cutting-edge for those times and that was attractive to Bobby's sense of adventure and rebellious spirit. He was 17 and looking to break into the music scene, and this seemed like a great place for him. Arthur Lee and the Grassroots were using a failed nightclub on the Sunset Strip as a practice studio when Bobby learned this he went there and introduced himself so actually Arthur Lee didn't invite Bobby into the band he invited himself we're listening to the grassroots later to be better known as love performing you I'll be following from 1965. This is Johnny Eccles, guitar player and founding member of The Grassroots and Love, from an interview I conducted last year.
1: And so I had a group called The Grassroots uh, that was from Eldridge Cleaver's novel. It was up from The Grassroots. And we were playing at a place called The Brave New World in, um, in Hollywood. And we were thinking of starting a blues band before Arthur came back. And then um, while we are playing there, this gentleman named Bobby Boussole, who was of the Manson um, crowd, this is way before then, he uh, asked if he could sit in with us. And he sat in and we thought, wow, well, he could play. So he played with us for a couple of months there. So sometimes people talk about us being connected with him. The only connection we had was Bobby Bussell, who was our friend, and he played with us until uh, we met Brian McLean, who was the roadie for the Birds. And uh, when Brian came and sat in, we said, "Wow, we'd rather have him." So we fired Bobby and hired Brian.
0: Charles Manson was also musically active in the area at this time. Charlie, for the most part, left the San Francisco area for the Hollywood area, specifically Topanga Canyon, where he and the girls set up in the area of Topanga and Malibu, known as the Snake Pit. Within the washed-out floodplains of the Snake Pit was the Spiral Staircase, a dilapidated and abandoned house, a notorious party house where hippies and hip Hollywood elite would indulge in sex, drugs, and rituals of all sorts. It was home to bikers, religious zealots, and slumming famous musicians and actors. It was in the area of the Snake Pit at the Spiral Staircase where Charlie would meet Diane Lake, a recent runaway from the nearby commune known as the Hog Farm. Run by Wavy Gravy of Grateful Dead, the Diggers, and Woodstock notoriety. Diane's parents were members of the hog farm and had emancipated the then 14-year-old Diane. Charles and the girls gave her the nickname Snake, possibly due to the area they all met in. Charlie set up at the spiral staircase. So much, in fact, he started auditioning local musicians in an effort to form a band. One of the people who auditioned for the band later went on to play with the Beach Boys. This is Ernest
2: Knapp. Oddly, I didn't audition with the other musicians. I just auditioned for Charlie and his family. And I sat up in the middle of the living room floor, put my amp down and uh, plugged it in. Three of the girls had percussion instruments, uh, shakers and a tambourine and some little drum, and actually were accompanying me. So, which I, I liked, you know, it was, I'll take any help I could get, you know.
0: Ernest was invited to join the band and returned the following week to rehearse with the others.
2: Once we had some songs we knew we could play, so, okay, Charlie, what you got? And, and he performed his stuff for us. I thought he had talent and I thought his songs were viable. It was more of a singer songwriter type of presentation. Charlie
0: called his new group, the Milky Way, and the band set out to get a Saturday slot at the nearby Topanga Corral.
2: We all met down there and loaded up into a couple of cars and drove on up to the corral, which at that time was a country western beer bar higher up in the canyon. But we were like probably one of the first hippie bands to try to play there. And this was in the afternoon, and there was the owner... Couple of guys sitting around and and they were they were not very nice about it and said no. Located
0: at two zero three four, South Topanga Canyon Boulevard, the Topanga Corral became famous for hosting musicians such as Taj Mahal, Spirit, Neil Young, Linda Ronstadt, Canned Heat, just to name a few. Not only did musicians perform here, they also enjoyed hanging out at the corral for its loose canyon style. Jim Morrison was a notorious patron of various locations throughout the area. Inspired by multiple trips up the winding roads of Topanga Canyon and the corral itself, this is Roadhouse Blues by the doors. Bosley was also a member of Charles' short-lived band, the Milky Way. Bobby had met Charlie at the spiral staircase. At the time, Bobby was already living in the Topanga Canyon area. He was impressed by Manson's improvisational style of playing and singing. And although the Milky Way didn't last as a band, Charlie and Bobby would indeed cross paths again. At this point, Bobby wasn't content staying in any one place for too long. By 1967, in San Francisco, Bobby has formed his avant garde musical group, The Orchestra, featuring flutes, violins, guitars, drums, and various other instruments. The band would perform at various countercultural events. At one such event, called the Invisible Circus, held at the Glide Memorial Church, Bobby would catch the eye of experimental filmmaker Kenneth Anger. One of the songs most likely performed that night is the orchestra's Bombay Calling from 1967. Kenneth Anger started making films in 1937, combining surrealism, homoeroticism, and the occult. Kenneth was one of America's first openly gay filmmakers. A brave moniker, considering several of his films were released before the legalization of homosexual acts between consenting adults. By 1966, Anger was renting the former Russian embassy at 1198 Fulton Street in San Francisco. The massive mansion-like home had been furnished for Kenneth by members of the Processed Church of the Final Judgment. The Scientological offshoot had stolen several artifacts from the home of the beast, Alistair Crowley. After Kenneth saw Bobby perform with the orchestra, He knew that he wanted Bobby to star in his upcoming film, Lucifer Rising. He invited Bobby to live with him at the embassy during the filming as a form of payment. Along with starring as Lucifer, Bobby formed a new musical group to record the soundtrack for Lucifer Rising. The Magic Powerhouse of Oz, magic being spelled with a K, to note the direct connection to Aleister Crowley's sex magic, also spelled with a K. Conceived as a seamless, swirling, psychedelic, and occult-driven soundtrack, this is Lucifer Rising from 1967. Bye. multiple reasons, some of which we will get into during future episodes, Lucifer Rising as a film was not completed until 1980, and the soundtrack wasn't recorded by Bobby, but Jimmy Page, future owner of Aleister Crowley's Last Residence.
2: Some towns are built of marble, some cities built on schemes. Only one is built of magic, only one that's built on dreams, my world, my world
1: of Hollywood. Mondo Hollywood, a film about
2: the younger generation for mature audiences. Mondo Hollywood, true scenes from the wild surf and the even wilder Sunset Strip. Mondo Hollywood is more than a movie, it's a trip.
0: Bobby was also featured in the Truly Bizarre, if a bit campy, Mondo Hollywood. Released in 1967, this quasi-documentary is notable for many reasons. Among the notable names of the time, we find Jane Mansfield, Sonny and Cher, LSD guru Ram Das, Alfred Hitchcock, Ronald Reagan, Bridget Bardot, and Hollywood hairstylist Jay Sebring. From the soundtrack to Mondo Hollywood, this is Mondo Hollywood Freakout by the Mugwump Establishment. Beausoleil didn't have trouble attracting a following of pretty young girls who would travel with him. One of the girls who found herself with Bobby will also go on to have a notoriously strong relationship with Charlie. Born in Paris in 1942, during the height of World War II, Catherine Cher's parents were members of the French Resistance. Being of Jewish heritage, her parents chose suicide instead of relocation to a Jewish internment camp. Through her father's arrangement, she was adopted by an American couple and moved to Hollywood, California. After graduating Hollywood High in 1961, Catherine Scher would become immersed in the counterculture. So, before meeting Bobby and Charlie in 1967, she cut a record for the San Francisco label Autumn. We will close out by listening to Charity Shane, the stage name of Catherine Gypsy Scher performing Ain't It Babe from 1965. All is None is written and produced by myself, Jason Hay. Thanks for listening.